0: Hello there, Faithful Listener. You've tuned in to Season 7 of the Bible Explained Podcast. So make sure to grab your cup of coffee, because today we are going to be discussing the book of 1 Samuel. Hello, Faithful Listeners. I hope you are having a fantastic week so far. And today we are going to be talking about such an interesting portion of scripture. It is so interesting. I remember even as a kid, really loving this story because of how strange it is. It is so strange. And we are going to get into that today. So this is 1 Samuel chapter 14, verses 15 through 34. We're going to be talking about this weird oath that Saul forces the people to take, okay? And uh, Jonathan breaks it. So, so let's get into the story. I'll be reading out the W E B as I usually do. But before I begin, actually, let me do a quick recap. So, Jonathan, by himself with his armor bearer, left Gibeah where his dad was like chilling under this pomegranate tree. So he goes all by himself, basically, with just one other person to go and attack this nearby garrison of the Philistines. And he doesn't tell his dad where he's going. So he gets to this garrison of the Philistines. He has all this faith, like so much faith in God, knowing that God can help him. So he successfully actually begins to attack the Philistines and he immediately kills 20 Philistine soldiers. So now this is where we leave off today in 1 Samuel 14, 15 through 34, Grab your cup of coffee or your cup of tea, and let's go ahead and enjoy scripture reading together. There was a trembling in the camp, in the field, and among all the people. The garrison and the raiders also trembled, and the earth quaked, so there was an exceedingly great trembling. The watchmen of Saul and Gibeah of Benjamin looked, and behold, the multitude melted away and scattered. Then Saul said to the people who were with him, count now and see who is missing from us. When they had counted, behold, Jonathan and his armor bearer were not there. Saul said to Ahijah, bring God's ark here, for God's ark was with the children of Israel at that time. While Saul talked to the priest, the tumult that was in the camp of the Philistines went on and increased, and Saul said to the priest, withdraw your hand. Saul and all the people who were with him gathered together and came to the battle. And behold, they were all striking each other with their swords in a very great confusion. Now the Hebrews who were with the Philistines before and who went up with them into the camp from all around, even they also turned to be with the Israelites who were with Saul and Jonathan. Likewise, all the men of Israel who had hidden themselves in the hill country of Ephraim, when they had heard that the Philistines fled, even they also followed hard after them in battle. So Yahweh saved Israel that day, and the battle passed over by Beth-Avon. The men of Israel were distressed that day, for Saul had adjured the people, saying, Cursed is the man who eats any food until it is evening, and I am avenged of my enemies. So none of the people tasted food. All the people came into the forest, and there was honey on the ground. When the people had come to the forest, behold, honey was dripping, but no one put his hand up to his mouth, for the people feared the oath." But Jonathan didn't hear when his father commanded the people with the oath. Therefore, he put out the end of his rod that was in his hand and dipped it in the honeycomb and put his hand to his mouth and his eyes brightened. Then one of the people answered and said, your father directly commanded the people with an oath saying, cursed is the man who eats food today. So the people were faint. Then Jonathan said, my father has troubled the land. Please look at how my eyes have brightened because I tasted a little of this honey. How much more, if perhaps the people had eaten freely today of the plunder of their enemies, which they found. For now there has been no great slaughter among the Philistines. They struck the Philistines that day from Michmash to Ajalon. The people were very faint, and the people pounced on the plunder and took sheep, cattle, and calves and killed them on the ground. And the people ate them with the blood. Then they told Saul, saying, Behold, the people are sinning against Yahweh in that they ate meat with the blood." He said, you have dealt treacherously. Roll a large stone to me today. Saul said, disperse yourselves among the people and tell them, every man bring me here his ox and every man his sheep and kill them here and eat. And don't sin against Yahweh in eating meat with the blood. And all the people brought every man his ox with him that night and killed them there. Don't you see how this is such a fantastic story? Like everything about this is just absolutely intriguing. Mainly because Saul, the king of Israel, does nothing smart at all in this entire chapter so far. Like he's done basically nothing right. The first thing he didn't do right was he was sitting around at the very beginning of the chapter, just like chilling while basically Israel was being pummeled by Philistines. That's the first thing he did wrong. And now with the portion we read today, the second thing he does wrong is after he finds out the Philistines are going through this great confusion, because after Jonathan struck the garrison of the Philistines and killed 20 of them, something happened in the camp. Because don't forget, there's like a multitude of Philistines there. It says that there is thousands of Philistines basically ready to pounce on Israel. So all of these Philistines, all of a sudden, are in this huge confusion, because it says in verse 15, that there was a trembling in the camp, in the field, and among all the people, and the garrison and the raiders also trembled, the earth quaked, and there was an exceedingly great trembling. Now, all of that is Old English to say that there was a huge earthquake. So after Jonathan defeated those 20 soldiers, God acted, and he acted in a way that only God can do. He sent this huge earthquake, and this earthquake was so big that even Saul's men in Gibeah could feel it. And so the the watchmen of Saul were looking and they see that the the multitude of the Philistines are melting away and scattering. So all these Philistines are just running away. And then in verse 17, here's, here's the second stupid thing that Saul does. It says, Then Saul says to the people who are with him, count now and see who is missing from us. Okay, why was that the first thing Saul thought to do? If you saw your enemy who was outnumbering you by thousands and thousands of people, and you see this amazing thing start to happen where they are afraid and they're killing each other and they're running away and there's this huge earthquake. Why wouldn't you go out to help that along? (laughs) Like why, why count the people who aren't with you? Because Saul knows that somebody left to go attack the Philistines. So Saul, being the insecure person that he is, is probably wondering who went against him. And then they find out that it was Jonathan, his own son, that left the camp. Now, this is the second time that Jonathan has a major military victory in just two chapters. Okay, and obviously God had this victory. You know, Jonathan couldn't send an earthquake. Only God could do that but this is the second time that Jonathan is kind of stealing the thunder from Saul. And I'm sure Saul is not too happy about this. So after Saul finds out that Jonathan was missing, he tells Ahijah, his priest, to bring God's Ark to where Saul was. Now, this was very dumb, okay, because it would take a very long time for the people to transport the Ark from where it was down to where Saul was. Even if it was only, you know, a few blocks down the road from Saul, it would still take a very long time for the men to run over there, to go grab it and to transport it the way that God told the Israelites that they should transport it, which was four men, four very specific priests, rather, carrying it very specifically and very carefully to where Saul was. Saul is repeating the whole fiasco that happened years before this when the Israelites took the the Ark of God out to battle and then ended up getting captured. And so now Saul is doing this exact same thing. So that's the second, well, third stupid thing that Saul does. And then lastly, the fourth stupid thing that Saul does, it says that this confusion in the Philistine camp begins to increase and Saul is still just like hearing about what is happening and you know watching out what is happening and the 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 confusion is increasing and so Saul tells the priest withdraw your hand now this likely means that Saul first and foremost told the priest to stop bringing the ark of the covenant to where Saul was because it was taking too long and Saul had to go out to battle now but it was also probably talking about This priest was likely trying to communicate with God in some way, either with the Urim and the Thummim, I think it was called, those two white and black stones, which I'm not going to get back into that, either that way, or maybe even with a sacrifice or something along those lines. This priest was probably trying to communicate with God and Saul stops the priest from what he was doing and Saul just runs out to battle. So Saul did not make a single good decision here. In just this short, tiny little portion of scripture, okay? But then he makes an even sillier decision. Before he goes out to battle, he commands his 600 men, minus Jonathan and the armor bearer who weren't there. He puts them under this oath and he commands them to not eat a single thing that day. He says, cursed is anyone who eats something today before I am avenged of my enemies. So Saul places this burdensome, absolutely stupid and ridiculous vow on his people. And I've talked about vows so many times on the podcast before. And the last time I really went in depth with vows was with one of the judges who made a very stupid vow. And one of the things I mentioned regarding that is a vow is not always bad, right? You can take vows and and there's nothing specifically wrong per se with taking a vow unless first and foremost, it causes you to sin or have to sin in order to fulfill the vow. That is a stupid vow that you should never take. And also if it inconveniences or troubles other people, it's also a very stupid vow to take. You should never place A vow on somebody else and force another person to keep your vow ever. That is never, ever okay to do. And that is exactly what Saul does. He makes a vow that he decides for some reason is a good idea. We're going to fast all day today. In fact, you men are going to fast all day today. I don't know if Saul actually. did any fasting himself, because it does say he placed it on the people. Here's what it says in verse 24. The men of Israel were distressed that day for Saul had adjured the people saying, cursed is the man who eats any food until it is evening. And I am avenged of my enemies. So none of the people tasted food. So that kind of makes it seem like Saul was not part of this fast because he, he puts it on the people. It doesn't say that he took it himself. He just adjures the people to do it or commands the people to take this vow. And so now that the people are all scared because if they don't take this vow, they're going to die, you know, because that's basically what the, the King, King Saul is saying here is if you don't take this vow that I'm making for you, you will die. So people are terrified. And so it's very stupid for Saul to do. You don't place vows on other people ever. Now, if Saul himself wanted to fast, because he believed that that was right for him to do in this moment, then fine. Yeah, that, that's fine. Saul could have done that and there would have been no problem. But Saul deciding that everybody else is going to fast because for some reason he thinks that that's the holy thing to do here. That is not right. And unfortunately, a lot of churches do this exact same thing. They place these very strange burdens on people. Like, for example, the church that I grew up in, you couldn't listen to music with drums, with any kind of drum beat in it at all, because that was considered to be unholy if you listened to music with drums. That is so silly because a drum is an instrument. It is an instrument that you can use to to worship God with the same as any other instrument like a piano. It's such a silly made up rule. There's nothing about that in scripture. Scripture says the opposite. It says, make a joyful noise to the Lord with all these, with all sorts of different kinds of instruments, including percussive instruments. But um, going back to the story though, you don't place vows or strange burdens on people because it's just going to make people resent you, especially when it's not in scripture. And churches say that it is in scripture and you have to be holy. And the the way you get holy is by doing this and this and this and this. These things that are just burdens and are not in scripture. It just makes people resent the church. So you should never do that. And clearly here, the people are very much resenting Saul for this terrible vow he places on them. Because it says the men of Israel were distressed that day. They were in stress. This was a stressful thing that happened because they haven't eaten all day. And this likely happened very, very early in the morning because Jonathan probably slipped out while it was still nighttime. You know, when he was like under the cover of darkness away from his dad to go and find this, this garrison of the Philistines, that would have been the smartest time for, for Jonathan to leave. So this probably happened very early in the morning, meaning that these men have to go and be extremely physical in battle with no nourishment at all. They haven't eaten in hours. Plus the extra stress of like going and doing battle during all of that. it's, it's silly. So it says that as the people are making their way to the Philistine camp, uh, the Philistines were in a very great confusion they were actually killing each other at this point in time, probably, you know, it may be still very early in the morning, still dark, possibly. And so they're thinking that, you know, their enemies are in the middle of camp and they're, they're killing each other. Not to mention, it actually says in verse 21 that the Hebrews who are with the Philistines at this time actually turned to be with the Israelites who were with Saul and Jonathan. The Hebrew slaves that the Philistines had taken are now rising up against the Philistines and are beginning to slaughter the Philistines that way as well. So all these slaves now are, are killing the Philistines from the inside of the camp. So all this confusion is happening. The Philistines are running for their lives, killing each other. All sorts of crazy things are happening. There's this great, you know, earthquake that God sent specifically to save the Israelites and Saul makes a dumb vow. And so here's what happens. Jonathan is traveling along with some men and it says that there's this honey that they find out in the wilderness, most likely while they're chasing the Philistines. And this honey is dripping. There's so much honey dripping that the men are like uh, watering at the mouth, seeing this honey because they're so hungry. But Jonathan, (laughs) who was not there to hear his dad's bad and terrible vow take some of the honey on the end of his rod and brings it up to his mouth and starts eating the honey right in front of the men. And the men are like, you can't do that. You know, your dad, the king said that we're all under a vow and whoever eats is going to be cursed. And we're going to die if we eat anything today. And Jonathan says in verse 29, my father has troubled the land look at how my eyes have brightened because I tasted a little of this honey. How much more if perhaps the people had eaten freely today of the plunder of their enemies, which they found. For now, there has been no great slaughter among the Philistines. And so Jonathan here tells the men that Saul had done something foolish. And he's like, look at me. I tasted just a tiny bit of this honey. And now look at how, how refreshed I am because I have just eaten a little bit. My, my, my energy is back and my eyes are bright again, is what he says. He also says here that because his dad did this foolish vow, he actually limited the Israelites. He says now, because of this stupid vow and everybody is fainting, you know, while they're fighting and they're sick and their you know, their blood sugar is so low. Now all the Philistines are getting away and there hasn't been a victory the way it could have been if my dad would have let people eat. And that is what he says here. He says, there has been no great slaughter among the Philistines. That means that a lot of Philistines got away, even though God certainly did save the Israelites that day. Saul hindered the Israelite people from going in and doing more. There was a prayer I heard somebody pray a while back and it was a very good prayer. This man said, he said, God, get me out of your way so you can work even better. And I think that that's a great prayer because sometimes we can hinder the moving of the Holy Spirit. Now, God always works around us. Don't get me wrong. like He's all powerful and he works with our stupidity all the time, (laughs) but we can make things more difficult than they have to be. And that is exactly what Saul did here. Saul made things way more difficult than they had to be. And Jonathan recognizes this. So what ends up happening is the people are so hungry at the end of the night. It says they pounced on the plunder, took sheep, cattle, and calves, and killed them on the ground and were eating them with the blood So basically, the Israelites didn't properly drain the animals of their blood, and they were sinning against God. Saul caused the Israelites to sin against God. So not only did he limit them and distress them, he also caused a lot of them to sin by his bad example, because the men are so hungry from all of this, so sickly hungry from all of this, haven't eaten in probably like 40 hours or something like that, that they take all of the animals and just start eating them with the blood right there. And it doesn't even say that they cooked them. That is how hungry they were, but they were sinning against God by doing this. So it says that they told Saul, behold, the people are sinning against Yahweh and that they eat meat with the blood. So Saul says, you have dealt treacherously. roll a large stone to me today. So Saul doesn't even see the error of his ways. He just like yells, you know, at at the people. And so he he rolls this large stone over and Saul says, disperse yourselves among the people and tell them every man bring his ox, his sheep and kill them here and eat and don't sin against Yahweh and eating meat with the blood. So all the people brought every man, his ox with him that night and killed them there. So the people did eat the meat and drained the blood after Saul told them to do that. But honestly, Saul basically did nothing smart here. There was not one single thing smart that he did. Now, he did tell the people to stop sinning. And that was a good thing. But he was the one, I would argue, that caused the sin from his bad example to start. Now, of course, the people still should have drained the blood. I mean... Going 40 hours without food isn't going to kill you, even though (laughs) sometimes it feels like it is going to kill you. And I'm sure that, yeah, you're going to be super hungry and sick after the end of that, especially if you're, you know, putting so much energy forth. I get it. But also, you know, the people are wrong for sinning against Yahweh in that way. But regardless, I would say that the majority of the problem that we see here is from Saul's terrible leadership and Samuel. The priest at this time warned the people what would happen if they asked and demanded for an earthly king. Nothing but problems was going to happen. Faithful listeners, check out all the links listed in the description of this episode. And if you like this podcast, I would love for you to go over to Apple Podcasts and rate and review it. That is an excellent way for more people to find the podcast. But guys, I'm going to let you all go. I hope that you have a fantastic rest of your weekend. Happy listening and God bless.